How's your day? How's my day? My day's been it's been cool, man. It's like the f- last day of term officially, um, yeah. and just kind of slowly unwinding. But I've still got a lot of work to do. But I'm not gonna bore you with that. Um, but before I tell you about my day and my week, everyone, let's give a little happy birthday to Sadadeen. Uh. <laughs> Sadadeen's <laughs> birthday yesterday. Um, but yeah, man, how's your day been? How's your week? Yeah, man, it's been good. Um, I just I was in London yesterday. Nice. I was at my old sixth form. Uh, big up William Morris. Um, and I came back today. I had a supervision, mm. uh, taught supervision, and then came back here and just finishing work. But it's after work time now. It's after work, bro. So <laughs> it's, only it's only right. It's after work. <laughs> it's only right. Um, yeah, we've got a very special individual in the room today. Very special, very special. We're going to let him introduce himself. Please do. I'm Priya Radnard. Oh, apologies. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Priya. Um, I'm a second year engineering undergrad at Trinity College mm-hmm. here at Cambridge. Uh, I've been invited to speak. Me and Sadadeen have been talking about your name for a while now. <laughs> We've been like, we need to get Priya in here ASAP. Uh, and no you're a busy guy. <laughs> you're a busy guy, so we brought you in, man. Yeah, it's man. Um, yeah, we, we invite a lot of busy people in. We're very fortunate to have them come through to the, to the humble abode. Um, Priya, tell me about tell me about young Priya, what we like. The, the change between uh, primary school and secondary school for me, the reason why we settled in South Manchester was because yeah. my dad passed away when we were in, living in Bishop Stortford, okay. which is actually nearby to Cambridge. Um, so my dad passed away and we had to live with uh, my uncle, who also lived in like south south area of Manchester. And he stu- they, like his family still lives close by. Um, so we had to settle with them. Um, so it was a lot more like relaxed. We lived in the same flat. We lived on the same floor of flats as them. Um, so it was like, a bit uh, like a much more sense of community, you know. Mm. There was a, there was another Radmard family living right mm. next door. Um, honestly, I, I don't remember much about like moving into year six. Mm. Moving into year six was like quite calm for me. I remember the first day, the first day I got in. I remember because um, I've I've always been sort of like on the shorter side. Um, year five, I was year six, and year five comes up to me and says like, you can't be, you can't be year six. <laughs> He's tr- really trying to start a fight. So I go home and I'm like, I'm not going back to that school. <laughs> like, I'm not going back to that school. Um, but obviously I, I do go back. And uh, no, I enjoyed year six. And then moving into year seven, because I, I went to a grammar school in my mm. area. So I had to do, I had to take the uh, the 11 plus to get in. I was, I was so gassed that I got in. Um, I got, I, f- I want to say I got quite well. I might have to check that with my mum as well. That just take it as I did quite well um, for that eleven plus. So I was I was I was happy to get in. Um, what did it mean to you to get into a grammar school? Why 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 was that something you kind of felt a sense of accomplishment about achieving? Well, first like mechanically because a lot of the area the a lot of the kids in the area had been like going to eleven plus school um, like training for ages for like years, and I'd just moved into the area like. You take your eleven plus in early year six, so I'd been in Ma- in like South Manchester for like a month or two, and I'd taken a crash course for a month, and I'd gotten in. And a lot of these kids had been going to like special, mm. you know, tutors for ages. So I, I was really happy about that. My mum let me know about that. It wouldn't have meant a lot to me just going b- off like my experience, but obviously my mum let me know about that, and I was quite happy about that. Mm. Then obviously it was like. Obviously, with a fresh memory of my like family and my dad and all that, mm. so I was I was quite happy to make it around. My mum was always the academic, but I was still happy to be like to be taken on. How what was your dad's view to to, to you in education and, and doing well in school, etc.? My my dad wanted me to be uh, 
balanced mm. because my mum was always teaching me maths. So she she was she's a mathematician. She did her first degree in, in Iran. Mm. She did it in uh, graph theory. So like graphs, not not in terms of like plotting graphs. It's it's a different branch of like new mathematics. A lot less. I want to say a lot less numbers. A lot more like proving networks and stuff. And then she did her second degree in Sheffield, Sheffield, um, in statistics, which she she's still working as a statistician. So she taught me a lot of maths. But my dad want my dad being a surgeon, uh, for the like jaw area because he came from dentistry. He wanted me to be a lot more balanced. So he showed me like. David Attenborough documentaries. Mm. Uh, it was still sciencey, mm. and you couldn't get me off science. I was always a sciencey kid. You couldn't get me off science, but he didn't want me to go like hard maths like my mum because, you know, sometimes when you build someone up for that, they can't do a, a lot else. Mm. So he, he showed me documentaries. I want to think like he'd show me like politics documentaries as well. He'd get me into like he'd show me like videos from back home. He cha- like he showed me like a a broad range of things that just meant that maybe that's 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 actually an attribute of why I like picks pick stuff up so <laughs> exactly. fast and drop them. That's that's what's on my mind that's right now. Like there's a reputation, you know what I mean, for for STEM subject for for students that do STEM subjects or maths in particular, and you're very much the opposite of that stereotype in terms of your broad array of interests. Like you can sit down and have a conversation about politics just as well as someone that does politics, and that's mm. like a really valuable skill to have. And it's it's just yeah, it's it's yeah. It's something that you pick up straight away when you speak to you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Do you want? Do you mind talking a bit about that kind of process of grief that you felt at such a young age? Because I can't imagine how how that would have felt. Because I grew up in a single parent family <laughs> as well, but my dad was never present, so it was it was never mu- it was never I never had an experience of someone being removed from my life yeah. that so abruptly. Um, so I don't know if you how how was that experience for you at such a young age? Um. It wasn't obviously it wasn't pretty. Um, like I still I still sort of do remember like my mum telling me because we went we went um, my mum me and my sister came home from school and my mum was sat on the table just got off a phone call. I'm making it sound really dramatic, but I'm I'm literally just describing the events. But like mm-hmm. my mum got off the phone call and she was like, um, you know, "Have a seat." Like I've invited your uncles from Germany, your uncle from uh, living in South. This is when we were living in Bishop Stortford nearby here. Um, I've invited your uncle who lives up up north near Manchester to come down. We're all going to get together as a family because your dad was swimming this morning. He loves swimming. He'd live. He'd, he'd swim like tens of laps every morning because he had it. What what ended him was like a cholesterol issue. Um, so he he'd swim to make sure that was balanced. But he was swimming this morning and he had a heart attack, and he's in the hospital and we don't know how he's going to do. So I, I didn't pro- I didn't process this the whole time. Um, so we had my uncles from Germany. It was actually uncles on my mum's side. And when I say uncles, I mean like obviously like someone's second cousin, whatever. Um, it was they were on my mum's side, but they really liked my dad, and they also were the closest people because they lived in Germany. So they came over. My dad's brother from uh, where I live now came over, and we all visited him in the hospital, and we all like took turns, and what my mum told me was that like uh he could still hear us even though he's not responding so i was like i was just telling him like normal stuff like mm-hmm. how my day was and all that mm-hmm. i didn't pro- process it until a while later until my mum said that you know some people go and don't come back that was when i was crying i was crying for days i actually remember this i was like um yeah it was really bad i started crying straight away and i just like i couldn't come out of my room for mm-hmm. days 
And you had a younger sister, did you say? I had a younger sister. So she was five. And I feel like that didn't, it didn't process with her until yeah, later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was more dangerous because later on she had, I want to say, a lot worse symptoms than me. And I feel like it's because she didn't process it at that time. And she didn't have that intense, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I think it's because she didn't have that intense period where she was just like thinking about it, that it came back to her with a lot worse symptoms mm-hmm. later on. The fact that you had to navigate such a difficult thing at such a young age, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in how that transformed your outlook on life or mm-hmm. your kind of your outlook on education in particular. Like, did you did you feel like an increase in pressure to do well and mm-hmm. to support your family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, short answer, yeah, definitely. Um, and especially coming from like, um, like when we visited home Iran, um, a, a a big thing that my like grandmas especially would say to me is like, "You're the man of the house now. Mm. Like, you're the man of the house." It didn't like obviously my mom's like very much supportive. She wasn't like gonna leave me to myself and all. So I never felt that for myself. But my family were always telling me, my family were always telling me like, "You're the man of the house now." So I, that did sort of get to me eventually. And I was like, okay, I can't directly help my mum now. I can't make money for myself now because that's just not where my expertise are at the moment. But I can stay in school. Mm. I can really try. You know, like I said, m- uh, I did a month's training for 11 plus, not to brag, did a month's training for 11 plus and got in. I didn't, didn't want to lose that momentum. You know, I knew that was like, that, that was sort of my calling. So I really tried. Um, and then obviously when I learned that Cambridge was sort of within reach and I understood the implications of that um because I was planning to go to like um I think my my top two choices were Durham for geology like earth sciences um and I think Southampton because I did a summer school there but um like when it hit me that like the implications of what Cambridge could mean and like the fact that it was within reach I was locking myself in my room I, I really was locking myself in my room like days on end i'd go to school come back and i just like i just work and uh, my mum was okay with it like she'd tell me not to overwork and all that but she'd be the one bringing me through like this i'm glad we're passing on the continuing the tradition bro <laughs> yeah. now nah, but on a rule okay you're talking about a level time now right you kind of skip yeah. straight to, to six <laughs> nah, go put it back in your lap boy. <laughs> um, but yeah how healthy was that you know what I mean? Because obviously you achieved your mm. intended goal. So, but I, I'm still interested. To, I'm still interested to hear how healthy was that time period? Where was your mental health during all of this? Yeah. Like, just, yeah, talk us through that, that yeah. experience. Um, so mental health became an issue for me in in secondary school, not in sixth form as okay. much. Um, because I went to like child grief counselling and all that. that. That's quite standard stuff. But what I'd say I'd, I'd faltered most from, from like locking myself in my room, so to speak, was from... Uh, the fact that I didn't really do a lot outside of that. I got my grades and I got my interview, like I got my interview well, but um, I didn't really use my opportunities well outside of that. I didn't really like set up projects with my friends or like do anything big like that. And then you see some people coming out and they're like, oh, I started a band when I was in school. Do you know what I mean? Or like, oh, I did this competition. I went, I, I joined this, like, I don't know. I, I wrote a book or something when I was in school. I didn't. I didn't really have that. Plus the fact that I was like picking something up, really enthusiastic about it, and then dropping it a week later. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of attitude didn't add up well. And you mentioned at the start, like talk about any regrets you have if you want to. That's my number one regret. That those two attitudes of like really, really like 
for like the one thing that I didn't falter in terms of my passions was like working hard to get to get where I wanted to be academically and then the fact that like I faltered those two mindsets combined and I came out of school so I came into uni with like not a lot besides my grades that's that's why I'd say that wasn't healthy because I didn't really develop as a person for those two years two three years I think that's a powerful like realization in that you 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 put that standard or criteria for yourself and you kind of acknowledge that and go into uni wanting to do that and I think just that the fact that you sort of understand and you want to improve in that regard is is, mm. is I mean as far as I'm aware or concerned that's that's sick in itself yeah, man. Thank you. shows a lot of self-awareness um so since you've been since you've started Cambridge have you made like an active effort I know you have <laughs> because I see what you do on Facebook etc but like talk us about talk us through your journey since starting Cambridge yeah all right so f- like first year um was a lot of like s- sort of environmental stuff mm. the stuff that sort of like um like campaigning and stuff like that within my college throughout like uni and stuff like that where did your passion for um climate activism climate come activism. from it's <coughs> sorry it's what i actually uh applied to uni with um I applied to because uh, uh, the engineering course here is general, so you just apply for engineering. But everywhere else, I applied for civil and sustainable. So things like water purification or like water irrigation systems. I've um my my passion for climate science has sort of been linked with my interest in like international development. Sort of um, always been aware of like globally the differences, obviously, and obviously coming from like Iran where when you drive through the countryside and you see like this like the city's not so bad come, come visit iran it's actually it's not so bad but when you drive between the cities like we did a couple of times you see like the state of what it's like um and that those two have always been linked to like getting getting countries together in a way that's sustainable both in the social economic environmental sense all 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 this so that's where engineering like played a part for me because it could use my scientific side for this sort of thing. So that's really where my climate for like oh sorry my passion for climate engineering mm. came together, um, and then in uni it really developed into what it is. But in terms of like what I've done to reform that mindset, I mentioned before um, that you've caught me at a good time. Mm. It's because in this last two weeks, that's this is like the first time it's really ramped up for me. Because last year, I was always happy to call my lot. I was always happy to just be like, I'm not looking for anything else. I'm happy with the extracurricular stuff I'm doing. It's only, it's actually embarrassingly late, to be honest. For second year, like end of, end of fourth term here, I'm starting to realize, what am I doing? Like, I'm in, I'm in the city, which will give me the best opportunities, like being realistic. What am I doing while I'm here? Am I going to once again lock myself away to work? Or can I just, okay, lack a little bit in my supervisions for now? And then do more work in the um, Christmas holidays, um, where like I have a lot more time and I'm not I'm like a bit more isolated in the sense of not mm. a lot of people around me. Or do I really just like pick up every opportunity I've, I can? I've literally been like a yes man. Like if, <laughs> if someone if someone gives me an opportunity, I don't even like I don't even care about my workload. Like thinking about some of the things I've said yes to now, I'm now. Okay, I don't want to give too many details away because you'll find out about them as they yes. actually resolve. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> but but uh, some of the, like, I've just been, like, given a lot of opportunities. And I'm very thankful for the people that I've been in contact with to mm. give me these opportunities. And I think that 
um, where I have been able to, I've passed up on them and given them to someone else. Because like, if all goes well, I have too much on my plate already, which is better than not having enough. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. So, where did that realization come from? It came from hanging out with the right people, changing changing up the people that you're hanging out with. Mm. So when you go when you go into lectures every day, I guarantee. Well, okay, maybe it's you guys for your lectures, but I guarantee there's someone there who's doing more than you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And hanging out with that person, mm. I can name that person if you want now. Hanging out with that person will always get you in a better you can place. Name them. Name them. So I can't actually pronounce her second name, <laughs> but this girl called Shay in engineering department, she's a, I want to say first generation immigrant from Nigeria. She is doing the most. I'm telling. That's number one thing. If you okay, number one metric. If you look at her Google calendars, you won't find she doesn't sleep. Is what I'm trying to say. She doesn't sleep. It's amazing. I think honestly, get her on this next time. <laughs> it's amazing, um, what she does. So just hanging out with the right people, talking like about the right things, can get you a lot of places. And I honestly like. I hope it's not too late for me to break into that sort of mindset, having like sort of faltered a year yeah. in this sort of process. Yeah. Like, for me, I would just put it down to being curious, because I think. Being curious and being brave. Because mm. I think a lot of people have one, but they don't necessarily have the other. I think sometimes if you're curious, it's good because it means you can you, you have a lot of ideas. And you can and detect opportunities. Yeah, you can you. detect opportunities, exactly. But it doesn't necessarily mean you go for it. So you'll be like, oh, I have this sick idea, man. Trust me. I'm, I'm going to do it one day. I'm going to do it. But you never end up doing it, right? And then just being brave completely, that can lead to like having no balance in mm. terms of you can't detect the right opportunities yeah. or you're just kind of just doing things um but i think for Without me fulfilling them properly yeah like actually getting the use out of them 100 percent. so i think for me that's that's what i'll put it down so my question for both of you is mm. let's say you were speaking to a younger student or anyone really because like i know adults that have this problem which are curious but not brave mm. or like are very risk uh, risk averse yeah mm. what would you say to them like how would you passionately articulate to them the benefits of kind of just going with it and just taking the first step but like what would you say to yourself your first year self to really get you moving first yourself so risk aversion is is a good thing that you say risk aversion definitely because the engineering department's full of societies and i was scared that i'd join one and i'd put in time and i'd realize i don't like it just just do it just to be <laughs> honest because it will pay <coughs> sorry <coughs> it'll pay off it will pay off um don't yeah don't be worried don't don't be worried that you'll i know it sounds cheesy but just like go for it and the regret of not doing something is more than the regret of putting time in mm. and realizing you don't like it basically mm. just just go for it basically. i think it's a famous saying isn't it like i remember there was like a, a study done to um where some sort of academic asked a bunch of old people that were on like on the verge of like passing away like mm. what's your biggest regret and it's it's the things that I no didn't do, not the things that I did do. That, no, that one, are my biggest no one regrets. says. No one says I wish spent. I, no one says I wish I spent more time in the office. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Just go out there and just do like non-standard stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm. What's your experiences of doing non-standard stuff, Saladin? Because you're the most non-standard person <laughs> I know. So tell, tell, tell the crowd. I think in terms of taking a leaf out of what Ampria said, in terms of, I would just say, don't be afraid of things turning mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. terrible. It doesn't matter if you go to like taking your example of a society and it's just dead. All right, cool, it's dead. What can you do about it? You no go one's gonna know. Exactly. You just <laughs> go and dead. you just and you and you learn and you discover it. Um, and I think that kind of the bravery side of things of not caring about something fails 
is I think the most important thing because oftentimes when you have ideas and you're, you're really curious, you can romanticize things and you can have a very idealistic vision of how things are going to turn out. And part of not you not committing is that fear of uh, it will never be as good or I don't have all Absolutely. of the resources Absolutely, that I yeah. need to put together to make it what I want to be. So, uh, you know, I'll give it a couple months. In a couple, in a week, I'll be ready. In a year, I'll be ready, et cetera, et cetera. But or, I think for me, the yeah. biggest thing is to just get started. Or thinking that there'll be someone there that's better than you or yeah. it won't be your thing. So one thing that looking back was like sort of in my mindset is that mm. if I do this, it mm. won't be my thing. So it doesn't mm. matter because this guy, this guy's better than coding at me. So why even, yeah. like, why am I even bothered? <laughs> it's not, I'm not going to be the coding yeah. guy. So why, why yeah. try? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I feel like it's a fundamental life skill of just having perspective mm. and just like, I'm reading a book, book right now called Flow. I don't know if you've heard mm. about it. It's just about the key to success and happiness is just always being in flow in like that flow state when you really feel like you're doing something um you're doing something exciting and you're actually contributing to something like that really contentment that you get um and what the author says is the, the key to successful happiness is just an ability to um to put your ec put external circumstances in perspective essentially so um no matter what's happening on the outside no matter the situation or the circumstances just really about using your just yeah it's essentially just seeing the good seeing the good in everything and just mm. like taking the lesson from all um negative out you know I mean negative situations yeah. um it's easier said than done but it's just it comes with practice in my in my experience i mean I, I was asked this by a friend of mine um adam who on the way back t from lectures he he asked me so what do you want to get out of this place what when mm. you leave here yeah. and you've got that you got that white fluffy gown on <laughs> what do you want to say right I, I got out of this place um, I've, I've actually I've never really thought about that, and I probably should have, <laughs> but uh, I never really thought about that. Um, it's always sort of been for me more about like what I'm gonna do afterwards, mm. sort of thing. Um, I know I know what I want to do afterwards. I don't really know what I want to get out of here. First, like yeah, I suppose like it's to know the right people to do what what I want to do afterwards. To be like, to be in a comfortable position where I'm confident, you know, even if that that old mindset starts creeping back in, I'm still confident that what I'm about to do is like is is bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That that's why I want to get out, that's and powerful. and obviously I want my first, like I want my <laughs> or two one or whatever I get. Yes, that's course. what I want. Yeah, hundred percent, man. What does it mean to be confident? Oh, um, it means that, like yeah, like I said, you don't worry if something comes out bad mm. or if your mindset comes out bad at the end of it in terms of like how you enjoy something because you just do it anyway mm. or like a lot of people think it's about or a lot of people say it's about uh not thinking what others think of you when you're confident but honestly i think it's more about like others like how do you feel about what you're about to do mm. if you're confident in what you're about to do then you're like i don't know you just, it's just better mm. it's just better 100%. what do you what do you want to get out of this place today man what do I want to get? Similar to, I mean, similar type of vibe to you, bro. I mean, I, I mean, obviously you have access to so many resources at Cambridge or at any other university or any place of learning, any yeah, institution. Yeah. In terms of like, sim like intangible and simple terms, I have a library like twenty meters away from where I live. Like, I mean, a hundred meters from where I live. I sh I, I really want to be able to access that knowledge, and more than just the books, I want to be. I want to access that knowledge from the people that I meet. Because we, we've asked our guests a number of times, like, what's what's the best thing about this place? And Saladin will, will, will definitely echo 
that it's the people, right? It's the people that yeah. you meet and it's the conversations you have. So I just want to make sure that I've opened myself up to meet as many people as possible yeah. and just not shut down any potential interactions by prejudice yeah. or by just not being confident to enter different spaces essentially yeah because it's a it's a mindset sometimes when you're like uh looking to come into uni where you're looking for like some sort of internship or like co- i don't know what like, i don't know what um you guys did before you came to uni but i was always looking for like corporate internships and like, stuff like that so it's like a, it's a common thing to just think that you're looking up while you're here you're looking up to like where you can work next mm. but realistically the people like are all mm. around you that you're, you're going to be working with next 100 percent you know, I, I could be working for you guys next. <laughs> Impossible. That's not happening. Um, I remember I had a, f- I had a chat with a friend of mine, Tamir, and, and we spoke about this idea of endlessly chasing things. Yeah. Um, and the idea that even when you get to this place, Cambridge, and you mentioned that you lock yourself in your room and you work really hard for this. And it must have been a place where like you're checking a website every day, you, whatever it is, and you just really idealize it. Well, when you get here, it's like onto the next what's what's corporate yeah, you get yeah, me yeah. it's normal yeah just big grand halls and chambers and everything and then you just kind of think of the next thing yeah. and i think f- and i think it's just really powerful and you mentioned that flow state and it's just being able to sort of take things in and just be in the moment mm-hmm. and not Present. constantly think about that next thing because i mean just learning from all of our experiences we know that when we get here you no longer are checking the websites every day or just in dream world. Yeah. You realize this is just the real world. And so it would be foolish of any of us just having gone through the experience to put another thing now in the same place as Cambridge because we yeah. know it's going to come up with the same results, right? And I think it's, yeah, it is that flow-like state. And actually, it's about like not not just listing off the things that you want to do. Yeah. Mm. Which is why I'm, I'm, I'm saying like these these two weeks are just like, Ju- mm. this is just me listing mm. off the things I want to do mm. what comes next is like years like there, there are years and those are like every day you've got to be up mm. you've got to be working on it yeah. you can't you can't just like like obviously coming into Cambridge like locking myself in my room that was one thing to work towards mm. but in real life you just got to be working for everything you mm. want to be doing you can't just say like I want to do this and then the next day no. yeah and the, the awesome thing about your aspirations in my opinion is the fact that they're, they're very altruistic in terms of international development in terms mm-hmm. of sustainability like another quote that had a lot of value for me from that book was so it's flow su- sorry flow yeah. yeah was success or happiness is the side effect of dedicating yourself to a course um that is that is that is that is more than than you if that makes sense mm. like it's you're dedicating yourself to 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 contribute to a, to a cause that is more than you yeah it's something that's more than you that's like you I mean you're just a minor part of that of that movement of that cause mm-hmm. um and yeah and it just yeah it's it's something that definitely resonated with me um i'm really interested to hear your opinion about like because you said that you said that you were initially thinking about going corporate <laughs> so this is something that me and sad talk about often I'm really interested in hearing your opinion on on going corporate and whether you're a sellout if you do go corporate. Yeah. Like what's your thoughts on that topic? Um, so, with with an engineering firm, sometimes the best like if you're if you're interested in a particular uh, sector of engineering, you've you've got no choice to but to go corporate. Realistically, like if you're interested in designing planes. There's no small plane companies, you know what I mean? You've got to be working for some of, like, the big the big ones. Um, 
there's no like small car company similarly like if you want to go into racing realistically you're not you can't be doing go-karting for a living really like yeah you could be but you know what i mean unless you have some like startup idea which is like like insane um and and same similar a lot for a lot of different things sustainable energy for example realistically it's the big firms or you do like international development and stuff like that so i have i have empathy for people who do go corporate within engineering but then there's a lot of people in engineering who use their degree to go into finance and stuff like that and yeah like yeah sure um obviously you know that a lot of my work is about like the adverse effects of the financial sector and especially like the, this university's involvement with that um so it's it's harder for me to find like the interest that people have because like, obviously you've got like you say happiness is a side effect of putting something in that's bigger than you so i suppose if you think that honestly if you honestly think that your corporate job is doing something for the wider world around you then yeah sure i can put myself in your shoes but if you're going into work every day and you're just thinking of salary and you're not thinking of your effects on the world, I don't really have a lot of empathy with you, realistically. It's a kind of it's kind of mean to say because obviously a lot of people are like looking out for themselves and obviously that has to be done in certain circumstances. But people who come here who don't need the salary, but then they don't use their position as someone who doesn't need the salary, you know what I mean? To not put in some, put in the effort I don't have a lot of empathy with that. So that's, is that, that's so my stark answer. Why is climate? Why, why is appreciating what's going on in climate important in the world? Why isn't it important? It's num. It's the number one thing, and it's. I think I feel. I f- I fear the problem is that a lot of young people right now aren't connecting with it because a it's not immediate, mm. and b it's not poetic. Do you know what I mean? It's poetic to talk about, and obviously these are all issues that I support. Obviously, like it's poetic to talk about access work, like looking at you guys, like looking at what you're doing now. It's poetic to talk about access work. It's poetic to talk about like um, issues with ethnicity and stuff like that, or like sexism. And these are all issues that like fall under the bracket of sustainable development as well, obviously. But it's not that poetic to talk about uh, climate change or fossil like fuels. Fossil fuels. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It doesn't really come to mind. What I wish people knew. What I wish people knew is that um, it's sort of, with fossil fuels especially, it's a lot more direct. Um, It's not just the climate. There's a lot of, like, linkage between the social injustice that's happening and, like, the climate injustice that's happening right now. A question that's been on my mind for a while, like, I was listening to a podcast just just before your interview in preparation for this kind of climate change discussion, and one of the questions that was drawn up was, does climate activism have a privilege problem? I, I'm really yeah. interested to hear your opinion on that, yeah, on that question. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Because, well, it's not so much a privilege problem, but it's just like um, taking a step back and realising like uh, what uh, what draws certain people to climate activism. And one thing that I've talked to a lot of other people, a lot of... Um, so let, let's look at like race and class for now. So obviously... The standard environmentalist is white middle middle class. You can't really escape from that. Um, and talking to a lot of people who do fit that category and a lot of people who don't fit that fit that category in the um, envi- environmentalist movement, actually outside it, um, the f- the thing I fear is that like, pe- like people have a certain set of number of things that they can worry about. I think I read this somewhere as well. Yeah, there's yeah. like people have a certain set thing number of things they can worry about. Yeah. If they're worrying about getting to the end of the week due to like, you know, 
financial issues, if they're worrying about how they're going to be looked at in the street due to you know, ethnicity, like if they're worrying about any sort of like certain number of things, they the world is outside of their scope. Do you know what I mean? Um, the world's outside their scope. If they're worrying about like supporting their family, they don't like. I think someone said it's like if you can't make it to the end of the week, who cares about twenty fifty? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who cares about these like yeah. long term world like climate change trends when you can't make it to the end of the week? That's that's the general idea. Mm -hmm. What is in store for Puriya post Cambridge? Post Cambridge or post now, man? Like post you're gonna now. be active during <laughs> Cambridge. Like, what's 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 coming up for you essentially? What's coming up for me? So I'm really happy at the start of this conversation when you said that you can have a conversation with about me about anything. And then you mentioned politics as well, because there's a, a distinct lack of understanding for science and technology in the world of politics. Um, have you seen Mark Zuckerberg's audit from the Senate? Where the, the way yeah, the like, what is Facebook the internet? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you think about you think about that and then you think about the scale of uh, the climate problem right now. And you've got the same people talking about technology in the same way. Mm. So I've been I've really been looking for um, places like in Cambridge at the moment which deal with like using science and engineering and particularly what I want to go into next year. Cause like I said, engineering's general here, which is like machine learning mm. and like um, uh, data handling, um, how that can be used in public policy and governance. Mm. That's my next step. And this is like the, f the thing that kicked off this two weeks that, I'm, that I'm, I keep coming back to um, is that I really looked at myself and I was like, what have I, what, like, what, what do I like? Like it's, it's time to stop like dropping things what do I like? And I, I realized like, I can't do a life of technical work. Politics is what I enjoy, like writing, uh, not writing about, reading about, talking about, like I, I enjoy discussing politics way more than I like in discussing um, engineering. But at the same time in the classroom, I can't write essays f for the life of me. I can't remember books. I can't remember dates. I can't remember that. What, <laughs> what is that? Um, I can do maths. I'm 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 decent at like calculus. Decent. Decent. Trinity College Engineering. I like my coding. Um, do you code? Except. I try to. Yeah. Sick. I said, do you code? <laughs> 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 I'm do doing a degree in it. So <laughs> I better code. Um, That's lit. So, I I just thought I can do these in the classroom, but I enjoy I'd enjoy my life to be more about like, you know, public policy governance. So that's really I've really set I've really tried to set myself up on that on that line of work. Sick. You heard it here first, guys. Two weeks can change your life. <laughs> Fully, it's well, not change your life maybe, but like it can like it, you need to sit down with yourself and like discuss. discuss. You know what? On this topic, just because you mentioned sitting down by yourself, I was telling Saladin today something that I've started to implement into my like daily routine is free writing. It's where mm. I sit down for five minutes every morning and just kind of write whatever's on the top of my head. Um, and it's it's just been really impactful and I recommend everyone to do it because there are things that you put at the back of your head that you never give time to and it's mm. just for me it's been the times when I'm most creative yeah. and we all need to be creative you know what I mean like to think of innovative solutions to change the world so <laughs> one like one thing that I tried doing over summer as well was just like just like 10 minute meditation mm. and then at the end of it when my mind's clear doing something similar but like sorting out my day after that and just being like how can I most creatively use my day? And it was only after that moment of silence mm -hmm. that I could actually think of like what I wanted to do and not what was just, you say off the top of your head, obviously that's when you're in a creative state of mind, but when you're in that stress state of mind, what's on the top of your head is like, 
immediate need to like deal with this deal with this mm-hmm. it was like calm down sit down even like 10 minutes and then sort your day out and yeah. just think like what do i actually have to do today sort of thing oh. i think on that note we spoke about pre-writing meditation and it links with what we spoke about at the start about dealing with grief etc i think that's a good place to bring it to an end man very yeah. wholesome conversation to say the least yeah thank you so much Pri, for coming it. down thank you man. for inviting me uh, yeah, like we said at the start we just we do think long and hard about our guests and, and yeah man you didn't disappoint bro when you win your Nobel Peace Prize just <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a party I remember you guys you give us a shout out when you're giving your award uh, cool, bro. yeah thank you so, so much man. thank you much bro. appreciated